So I hope you're all doing well. We, the shepherding couples, all got together for another marathon yesterday to work on kind of vision and strategy and uh, hopefully not this next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we'll begin to start sharing stuff um, with y'all to just see just some of the cool things that are happening, what God's laid on our hearts, the, the unity that we've achieved, and I think you'll be pretty excited about it, hopefully, if you're not a I don't know what to do. Um, but anyway, uh, let's jump into the text. And, and it is Communion Sunday. We're going to do something a little different. I'll explain that later. Um, but there's a purpose behind it. But uh, we're going to go to Gethsemane. So if you would, turn to Matthew 26, verse 36. Gethsemane. A body is yielded, a cup is drank. And I'm just, uh, we're, we're going to read the whole passage, but I wanted to make sure we read, we just slow down on the very first thing, because if you didn't know, I went to Israel, and my wife went to Israel, and Joanne, is Joanne here? She went to Israel. There you are. And so uh, some of you have been to Israel, but I, I think it's important to get a picture. I, I, it really helps me to understand it a little better, and, and hopefully I can explain it in a way that doesn't make it boring, like look what I did on my vacation. But... Uh, uh, Matthew 26, verse 36 says, And Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane is a Hebrew word that means oil press. That's what it means, oil press. It's, it's a place where olives were grown and crushed. There, there was probably a separate building there and such. So um, let me tell you where Gethsemane, we're going to look at some pictures here in a second, but you have Israel or Jerusalem on a hill. Then you have the Kidron Valley, so you go down this valley, and then you come up to the Mount of Olives. And at the base of the Mount of Olives is Gethsemane. So Jesus would have left um, uh, Jerusalem and, and would have come, or is he coming from Bethany? doesn't matter. Here, let me show you what they did. So the, uh, I think these are Franciscan monks, built a church. This is the Gethsemane church. This is where the, the site they think this, you know, the, the Crusaders thought was where the um, uh, Jesus you know, prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane, so of course you build a church. And then uh, just off to the left is the little garden that they've set aside, and it's, you know, I don't know, Joanne, did you go there? Did you? Okay, so our guy, our professor, said, no, we're not going there. We went off, if looking at our picture, to the left, and we went here. This is an olive garden right there. If you can look off to the right, you'll see the eastern wall of Jerusalem. In fact, you can barely just see the, actually the, eastern, the, the old eastern gate remnants. Those are olive trees. And this is a grove of olives and uh, trees. And this is where, and I like this because our, our prof wanted us to get a feel for what it might have looked like when Jesus is time. Because well, things don't change the, the, in one sense. They don't change as far as the, the ground and such and olive trees and such all look the same. And so we sat there on a wall. You can see some of our shadows sitting on a wall. And we had a little devotional time. So with that picture up there, let's continue to read our passage. But if you wouldn't mind, just kind of look at that picture and picture Jesus and disciples in that area. Because it's probably looks something similar to that. 
There was no big church there at that time. I hope you know that. All right, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of uh, Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, so picture him maybe almost stumbling is my picture, but going a little farther. Luke tells us a stone throw away. He fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. There's something that just struck me this week when I was looking at this passage. Was Jesus is in the midst of incredible sorrow. And yet, I think this is kind of tender. He's actually ministering and giving them instruction right then and there, even in the midst of his incredible conflict. So 42, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So that's the passage we're going to dive in a little deeper, but I, I, again, here's what I did on my vacation kind of story. All right, so I, one of the places I went on sabbatical was the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky. You're not going to be able to read that, but I thought I'd just throw it up there as a reminder. The Abbey, it's a, um, what, a Benedictine monks. It's where, if you know Thomas Merton, that's where he was from. I don't know, has anybody been there to the, the Abbey uh, at Gethsemane? So, Okay. Please, all you guys put your arms down, please. That was, there's way too many. Um, but uh, anyway, it's, it's an interesting place. I, I got to tell you, the, you know, I actually got up, to, I can't think what the, they, there's chimes going off all the time or bells going off. And I actually got up to the 3 a.m. service and I thought later, why did I do this? But so, but they have some really cool things. And I went on a hike and this is the Abbey of Gethsemane. And this, this is a garden, there's a, there's a place there where some, there's some statues. And it's dedicated to a Jonathan Daniels, who was a seminarian who was martyred in Alabama in 1965. And that's what these things are dedicated to. And um, it was done by a Walter Hancock as a sculptor. And there's a little saying on there at the very bottom. You can't read it. But may we always remember that the church exists to lead men to Christ in many and varied ways. But it is always the same Christ. And I just like that. So... So I, I read that, I'm getting really excited, so you kind of go around the bend, and you see that. If you, we'll zoom in, but it's obviously some disciples sleeping. So there they are. Really quite well done, by the way, just really beautiful. You can just see them, just, I'm just kind of walking around taking pictures. Um, there they are, just sleeping. 
And then it's funny because I'm just so enthralled with these disciples. And then I, I, I'm at this angle exactly. And I look and I see these disciples sleeping. And then way up here, let me get my little pointer. Way up here I say, oh, look. So zooming in, I see, can you see that? It's a figure. Let's zoom in again. As I, and there's Jesus in anguish. And I got to tell you, I was all alone there. There's nobody around. And it was really, I don't know, it was just like a spiritual experience. Just really felt the Lord's presence, really felt something about the anguish of Gethsemane through this. Um, by the way, I should have taken some without that little, it's a little thorny flower. I don't know if it's a rose or not, but it just, I put it there because it was, there was a weed growing up just off to the side and it had thorns and it was a flower and it just, that was for me. I never thought I'd really show these, but I, so I put it there just as a reminder of Christ, the, thorn, the rose of Sharon and the, the crown of thorns that was coming. And, uh, but there it is. Tried to get up a little higher. His anguish. I actually got up kind of high just to see what it looked like from the top, but just, just the anguish. And then I took that picture, if you can see off his shoulder here, is the sculpture of the guys sleeping, just the stones throw away. So here Jesus is in the one most worst time of his life. I mean, truly, the, the really bad. As the sins of the world are about to be laid on him. He's in total anguish. And the disciples are sleeping. And uh, how alone he must have felt at that point. But the loneliest time comes when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? But let's go into our passage. I'm just going to highlight these two verses from the passage we just read. And going a little farther, he fell on his face. So, uh, by the way, you know, we always have him, if you see the pictures, he's always on a stone. And even at the church, the Gethsemane church, they have a stone. And we don't have that in Scripture, that he was leaning on a stone. In fact, I think this kind of indicates he literally stumbled and fell and was crying out. But my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This cup, what is this cup? Again, and then he comes a second time. He went away and prayed. My father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. What is this cup? What is this? What is he talking about? He talks about it um, earlier. When the, you remember when um, James and John's mom came and said, Hey, can my son sit on your right and left hand? You know, that whole thing. And he looked at the two young men and said, can you drink this cup, the cup that I, can you drink it? And they said, yeah, we can, yeah. And it's like, by fact, you just said that, you can't. But he said, but then he talked about, you know what, my cup you will drink. And I think that's a different, I, well, it is a different cup. Um, it's actually, I think, a cup that, yes, they will suffer. But also I think there's a cup of blessing that they're going to experience in the first communion, as we would call it. But we'll get to that. Here's the bitter cup from Old Testament. Let's just look at a few passages. This is, most people believe what Jesus was referring to. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. It's, it's as if the wicked have gathered up the consequences of their sins. Sometimes we don't realize how awful sin is. 
We don't understand how terrible it is. It's easy to, because, you know, there's grace and there's mercy, and sometimes we don't get it. And every once in a while, we've got to realize it's a big deal. As uh, R.C. Sproul always called it, cosmic treason deserving of eternal death, because it's an eternal God. It's a big deal. So a portion of their cup. For in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. Again, just picture, it's just a picture of what we're going to see here is God's wrath. God's wrath. Wake yourself up. Wake yourself up. Stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath who have drunk to the dregs of the bowl, the cup of staggering. I believe Jesus is referring to this cup that exists. It's, it's again, it's, a, it's poetic, it's a picture, it's a, it's a metaphor. But to picture it from the Old Testament, there's a cup of wrath for sin. And that is what Jesus was being forced to drink. Not being forced, he willingly took, but that's what was being offered to him. He is struggling. This is a crazy passage, just in the sense of as we try to understand the two natures, fully human, fully divine. And this feels a little more human, but we can't separate them. But there is something here, you know, when he is crying out. If it's possible to redeem the world, if it's possible that let this cup not touch my lips, let it pass from me, if there's any other way, Father. It's a terrible thing. We don't understand how terrible it is. He understood. We don't get it. It must have been a terrible thing. To know he'd become the most vile creature ever when all the sins are laid on him. So much so that the, the, the father's eyes are too pure to look on evil. Therefore he turned. It must have been an awful thing. It's understandable that there'd be angst. But never to the extent that he wouldn't gladly submit his will to the will of the father. He says the same thing, you know, it's almost like he's resolved it by the second prayer that it's going to happen. You know, if this cup can't pass unless I drink it, if it has to be dealt with this way, your will be done. You know, when I was sitting there on that um, stone wall, as we're looking at that olive garden, I, I said, Father, where were you? Father, where were you? It seems almost cruel. And for just the briefest moment in the littlest taste, I saw how his heart was breaking. I felt it. Because he's a father. He was hurting, but he knew, for God so loved the world that it couldn't be attained, that he did love the Son, and the Son, uh, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning and shame, but the Father knew the only way he could ever reconcile with 
people is for the sacrifice. And Jesus did it willingly. And the Father, as much as his soul was tortured, his, whatever that is in him that was tortured to see this, he knew it was the only way. That he could love us. It's the only way. It's hard to think that there was a cup of wrath for each of us, isn't it? That's hard to think that our sins are that awful, but there was. And it had to be paid. And Jesus said, not as I will, but as you will. Your will be done. You know, it's interesting. There, there really are two gardens. I've, you've probably seen this. I've heard this before. There was the Garden of Eden, and now we go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's what happened at the first garden. God, not your will, but my will be done. And we were living in the consequences, the terrible consequences of that from that point on. Until we got this, not my will, but your will be done. And that changed the first one for all of us. At the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus began to turn the, the first sin, the original sin that we all bear the marks of. He turned it on its head and paid the price. So much so that he was willing to drink that cup that Paul can say in Romans, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Why are we saved from the wrath of God? Because Jesus went to the cross and drank that cup. He drank that cup willingly, obediently, but not easily. It was hard. So that happened in the garden. Do you know what happened before that? You know what happened before Gethsemane? Turn to, let's go to Luke 22. I like, I like how Luke explains this passage. What happened before this was what we're going to participate here in just a moment. What happened was we have something very special instituted. And I, and I want to slow down on a couple little things here. We're all familiar with this passage. And the hour came, and he reclined, verse 14 of Luke 22, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and again, you guys all know this, right? The tables were very low, not high like this, very low, and you had pillows, and you leaned on usually, what, your left side and ate with your right hand, so you would kind of lean, maybe, and you would eat, um, reclined, that's why he says reclined, so that's how they would have looked, it's not like the great famous painting of the Last Supper. Um, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I mean, he was really looking forward to this. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He really wanted to do this Passover because he wanted to make sure it was infused with him. He really wanted them to understand that he was the symbol in the Passover. In fact, this first cup we'll read, and I won't go into detail, but, but let me just say this, is that Jesus said, you know what, I'm doing this symbolically. You, in essence, were going to do this in remembrance of me, but when I come into my kingdom, when I take the rule and reign for that thousand-year reign here, 
that's when I'll partake of it again because it's going to be a whole different ceremony. Because sin and his kingdom will be firmly established. It will come. He took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So he, he says that, and we won't get into the, what the first cup, the symbolism, and the Passover, because we'll be here all day. But verse 19, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me just, let's just break that down, because this was interesting to me. So he took bread. And I'll just show you real quick with a little piece here. And it's, these are little chunks. So imagine this is bigger. But let's use our informed imagination. Jesus takes the unleavened bread, probably a decent size. And he took the bread. And he gave thanks. What did he give thanks for? Thanks God for creating the bread? I don't think so. And he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body. Hang on, this is my body for a second. That was the thought that was in his mind. When he picked up that bread, the thought was he was staring at a piece of bread, saying, symbolically, this is my bread. This is, this is my body. This bread is my body. And I believe he sat there and symbolically said, God, thank you. Thank you for this body that will be given, that all the sins of the world will be laid on. That these men I'm sitting with and those who will believe after them will come into the kingdom. And then symbolically, he took this body as he is thinking, I believe this with all my heart, as he is looking at this piece of bread and seeing his body, he broke it. Snap. That's my body. That's my body. It's broken. But he first gave thanks because he knew what God was up to. Really powerful imagery. And guess what? He did it likewise. Same thing with the, the wine. He, he came up. The chalice he would have lifted. And he said, likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He did likewise. So he would have taken the cup. And he would have reflected on his body and his blood and the life force that is in him, and the life he lived, and I believe there was a moment that he just, he realized that soon that was going to be poured out. But he gave thanks. He gave thanks. And by instituting this ceremony, I believe is why later on that night, he could say, not as I will, but as you will. Your will be done. He had already made the commitment. He had already instituted. He had already worked through it. As hard as it was, was he, he had already made a commitment there. That his body, when you give thanks, you're saying you're getting something 
that you couldn't get yourself. You, whenever time we say thanks to somebody for something they do, they're giving us something that we didn't have beforehand, typically. I think, yeah, Jesus is saying that. Couldn't have done this, Father. I can't do this. And so he instituted this and drank the cup of wrath for each of us that we wouldn't have to drink that cup. Instead, there's a different cup. You know, I'll flip this up because I do want to get here, but I, I probably should show you the, the little verse. If you want to, I can, it's just a short verse. Psalm 116, verse 13. When I was looking up the use of cup in the Old Testament, how it was used, and, you know, saw the ones with the wrath, and saw, you know, some of the symbolic meaning. I came upon Psalm 116, verse 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will lift up the cup of salvation. You know what that Hebrew word for salvation, you know what the root is? Yeshua. Do you know what Jesus' name in Hebrew is? Yeshua. I will lift up the cup of Yeshua. So when I believe, and this is, I'm on, I'm, don't take this, uh, this will be one of those things you can say, was Pastor Mike right on this? When I think when he looked at those disciples and said, basically, you can't drink the cup, you can't drink the cup of wrath that I'm drinking. But he said, my cup you will drink. And I think it's the cup of suffering. But I also believe it's this cup of blessing. Because later on, they will drink from this cup at this first communion, the first Lord's table, as a symbolic way for them to enter in. No longer would God be experienced from doing outward things. This, what we do, is internal. The things we do are internal that have outward experience expression and that's what Jesus is showing us. So 1 Corinthians 11. Let's read it. Verse 23. Paul loved to know again talk about questions you want to ask in heaven. I hope I remember this one. How did he receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you? I want to know how he received it. Was that special? Was it just, I mean, I'm just always curious how he received it. I would have thought, you know, as, as I received from the apostles, but he said, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and again, thinking, this is my body, that bread, and he broke it. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This ceremony ends when Jesus comes. Because now we get to experience him in real, not in symbol. So today, we want to prepare our hearts, but also we want to do something a little different. Just, in fact, if you were here a Good Friday, 
we've done it. I think Pastor David has done it once at a Good Friday service or quite a bit coming forward. But I, I just want to do it just a little different, you know, just because we usually have you all seat, seated and such. But this time, we're going to have you come forward. We're going to have two sets, folks on either side. Uh, maybe I'll, those of you that like to know what you're doing, let me give you that, because, and then I'll tell you why. Um, so what we're going to do is, if you're in the outer wings here, you're going to go this way to the, this, the center aisle. If you're here in the middle, split off whichever way you want. But you're going to come forward and you're going to move outward. You'll get the bread on the inward and the cup on the outward. And, but you will, and then you'll, if you would, just kind of go along the outside and come back to your seat just so we have some order and nobody's getting trampled. Nobody's getting grape stains on them or anything. So, um, but with that, so we're going to do that. But here's why I wanted to do it. Having been on sabbatical and going to different churches and experiencing different, there is, and many of you have come from different traditions, every once in a while it's nice to have somebody say the blessing, the body broken for you, the cup, this is Christ's blood shed for you, personal to you. There is something really special about that. And so today, because he took the cup of wrath for us that we might have the cup of blessing we wanted you to have a blessing of having me speak those words to you specifically so what you'll do grab your bread grab your cup don't have to drink it up here and eat it up here if you wouldn't mind just take it back to your seat and just have a time of contemplation and when you're ready partake when you've worshipped when you've had a chance partake of it the bread and the wine and in an act of worship and after a little bit we'll, we'll uh, close the surface up there everybody's had a little chance to do it but that's what we're going to try today and just, but I want you to experience that blessing of having it spoken over you I think it's special so with that, do me a favor just quiet down your hearts I know we're doing something different some of you don't like change, but it's okay you'll be alright if anybody needs help or anything, those around them can help. But just quiet your hearts. Why are you here? What did God speak to you? What is he calling you to in the relationship? Is there anything blocking the relationship between God and you? Just quiet before him. Spirit, if there's anything blocking us between you and us, would you point that out? It could be a sin. It could be something we love more than you. It could be a lot of different things. But will you just take a moment, let the Spirit bubble up anything in your heart? And would you just, or maybe you just want to worship him. That's okay. Let's take, let's take a moment to get our hearts right. Jesus, we thank you 
that we can now take the bread, take the cup of blessing because of what you did, what you did in your body, which you did with the shedding of your blood. So we ask that as we take this, we will be so grateful and we will experience your love anew. And Father, we experience your love anew. And Spirit, you will allow more of your love to come into our life that we might love you more. And we ask this in your name. Amen.